0: And the Phillies have the National League Championship. They have beaten the Padres 4-3 and they celebrate on their home turf as the Phillies of the 2022
1: NL champs. From WHYY and Billy Penn, this is Hidden Season, a Philadelphia Phillies podcast. My name is Justin Clue and I write for baseball Prospectus and Billy Penn. With me is Liz Rocher of Yahoo Sports. Hello,
0: Liz. Hello, Justin. Happy Fourth of July week. How would
1: you describe the vibes coming off our Phillies following that weekend at home against the Nationals? Before you answer, let me remind you that this weekend the Phillies outscored the Washington Nationals 24 to 11. Yes, that's over double the amount of runs the Nationals scored against the Phillies. And yet the Phillies managed to lose two out of three games in their own stadium to the worst team in their division. All right, Liz, the vibes. (laughs) (laughs) And somehow the news that Nick Castellanos is an all-star didn't quite take the sting of the weekend blundering off the uh, off the series for me. Um, you know it, it, plenty of things to, to, to be happy about right now honestly that there, there truly are as far as the Phillies go, but that series was a bummer. Uh, the Phillies lost two separate very winnable games by a single run. Uh, yeah it was just it, it was a series they really should have swept. Um, I would have been totally fine with two out of three and they, they couldn't do that. instead they watched the Washington Nationals fifth place in the NL East win their third series in a row. And so, the most bothersome part of this is that it creates a breeding ground for, well, hey, aren't the Nationals just a, a cute bunch of fun little guys? Isn't that <laughs> no, fun and not. cute? <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that. a, that's the last thing I want to hear. Um, yeah, it's a, it's just it's not a not a solid weekend of baseball for the Phillies. And once again, you know the, the weak spot was. The offense, which feels crazy to say, given that we're talking about a series that included a game in which the Phillies scored 19 runs. Haven't done that in quite some time so that the offense just couldn't come through for a couple more runs in games one and three i mean i know we all subscribe to the idea that if the phillies go off and score a ton of runs they're going to come out the next day and barely make a peep and that's kind of what happened but i was also subscribing to the other idea which is when they only score one or two runs in a game where they should have scored more they may may come out the next night with their bats and 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 they did that, and they absolutely pulverized the Nationals in Game Two, and then that just went away in Game Three, which is really just indicative of how inconsistent this team's offense has been all season long. Uh, but yeah, I mean, after watching this series, what are your what are your general feelings on the Phillies as we uh, as we head towards the end of the season's first half?
0: Well, that nineteen run game was fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, my thoughts on the season so far is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, at this point, we've been the Phillies have been through a lot. They've been up and down. Uh they've gotten guys back who were lost to injury for a while. They've had to adjust a lot of times. Things that were bad have gotten better. Things that were inconsistent have stayed that way. I mean, the thing you're going to see cited this uh after this National Series is that just like in 2008 and just like in 1980 on this date, they are 44 and 38. It is the same record as the two seasons uh, Philadelphia Phillies team won the World Series. So again, that's uh, you know it, that's almost to me one of the um, clearest definitions of optimism is that look this this worked before you know like yeah things are different totally different teams totally different players totally different leagues totally different everything but what's uh, what's rock solid about that is that they were playing the same amount of games uh, as this as this Phillies team will the season was just as long. And for as negative as we've gotten about this team so far this year, it's still true that they are 44 and 38, which is the same record as two teams that did go on to win the World Series and happened to also be the Phillies. So yeah, at this point in the season, what, what do you what do you just feel like? There's more. of? There are more reasons to think, oh, this is this is bad, or more reasons to think, yeah, this team's on the up and up. They're still you know they're still doing pretty decent, and the All Star break will do them good.
0: I mean, I think it's that one mostly. I would say I mean they're not bad they're frequently frustrating and mediocre but those are not those things aren't bad as you would define the word bad for my mental health for your mental health yes but as far as bad baseball in general they're not it's not they're not a bad team but I they're not good often enough for me to say they're a good team either (laughs)
1: Yeah, and uh, when they are bad, it looks like they're It's bad. Y- you know, yeah, like when, when balls are flying out of guys' gloves in the outfield and you know, you have missed <laughs> moments like that and and watching this team uh, at times this season try to hit with runners in scoring position is uh yeah, it's just, it's a huge bummer. So yeah, when they're bad, it's very it's they're very visibly bad, I guess you yes. could say. And I kind of have found myself wondering like if the Braves weren't playing like how the Braves have been playing this year, just like they did last year, where there's just this freight train of baseball success firing on all cylinders. yeah, I know that they've had some, what, injuries to their starting pitching staff. That's been like their biggest problem, but you, you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know they've they've had any kind of struggles because they just keep winning. They don't stop. Every time you, a a member of the NL East, manages to find some success, well, guess what? The Braves were a little more successful, and your success has been nullified. As we discussed in our last episode, yeah, the Phillies swept the Cubs. That was great. The Marlins also swept the team they were playing, uh, the Red Sox, and the Braves also swept the Twins. Yep. So the landscape of the NL East didn't shift a whole lot, and I know we're not really super focused on that, but I guess what I'm saying is the Braves being as consistent as they are is, uh, I mean, it's one of their biggest strengths. Teams aren't always as consistent as the Braves are. Even great teams aren't as consistent as the Braves mm. are all the time. And the Phillies just happen to be playing, you know, in lock step with them at this point, just, you know, 10 steps behind because of the hole they put themselves in earlier this season. So I guess what I'm asking is, do the Braves make the Phillies look worse? Because the Phillies are defined by their inconsistency and the Braves happen to be a great team that is defined by their
0: consistency. Oh, 100%. The the Braves make the Phillies look awful. They make everyone look awful. They made the Marlins Marlins look so bad. Oh, man.
1: What a bummer that series was. That was a big, fat nothing. I thought that was going to be those two guys, those two teams beating up on each other. The Marlins just kind of laid down. They just kind of laid down. And then I saw
0: at least a few of their fans trying to uh, push the narrative that the Braves are cheating. (laughs) no sure not (laughs) we yeah we listen we've said this earlier i i've said this before philly fans philly sports fans in general are the first people to blame their own players for a loss or for anything they philly philly fans will blame their own players for anything and so like seeing it seeing the marlins be like yeah they were just better as they have been all season just start to break down film for no reason. You can tell it's been a really long time since they've been good. <laughs> their fans <laughs> do not know how to process it. They they are obviously in love too much with their players and have no ability to blame them for things, even things they're not responsible for.
1: <laughs> I'm, I've noticed that about... I hate to say this. I've noticed it less, but I have noticed it about certain Reds fans as well, as they mm-hmm. have... Um, surged into a very successful uh, section of of Major League Baseball. You know, they won all those games in a row. They're a very exciting team. Ellie De La Cruz is incredible. Uh, So they're just kind of like in it now. And you're just seeing a bunch of people who haven't seen their team be competitive or at least this competitive in a long time, starting to operate among teams, fans who have had some success recently. And uh, I mean, there's there's one guy in particular I'm starting to see more and more who uh, someone was talking about, oh, 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 I think it was Nick Castellanos' brother or something, was saying, like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, Philly fans made him into a punching bag last year, but he put his Philly head down it. and he did his work. No, they're putting that putting putting that remark aside for a second. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, this, this guy waited. It was like, yeah, he, he put all that work in. That's the, that's the Cincinnati in him. Yeah, you're like, you know, you're welcome for that. Like, <laughs> okay, sure. Dude's a
0: yeah. Florida guy. Yeah, he's from not. Florida.
1: He's not from Cincinnati, man. Like the, Yeah, and, and playing
0: there for a few years while they were absolutely awful was, uh, I don't think that really helped him with anything other than learn how to lose without wanting to kill yourself.
1: And what city wouldn't be like, yeah, we define ourselves by it. We're a city of hard workers. Like, yeah, that's literally every city. Would I mean, I would say Los Angeles doesn't classify itself
0: that way. (laughs) That may be the only city in America, though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, in general, not a great series. And uh, yeah, certainly didn't do the Phillies favors in... In the short term and did, yeah, kind of, you know, losing two or three to a team this bad. I mean, this is like what I I would have been unsurprised to see them do against the Rays. But, you know, that series doesn't start until tomorrow. We shall see what happens. Uh, but this would have been a good launching point for playing two competitive teams uh, to close out the first half in the Rays and the Marlins would have been great to just keep that momentum. The Phillies have had for uh, for about a month here and uh, they just failed to do that. And it was really frustrating, uh, especially just starting in Game 1, where they lost 2-1. to one. I mean, really, it, it, the only th- real response here is just, like, you, you can't lose that game. You can't lose that game. The series was... No, you can't. <laughs> the series was all about waiting for the reason it wouldn't be a sweep, and it turned out that reason was, unsurprisingly, the offense, which comes and goes like wildfire smoke across the cityscape. Uh, it, the, problem, the biggest problem I had with this Game 1, Christopher Sanchez... I have never seen him pitch like that. I have never. I keep meaning. I kept meaning meaning to check. And uh, I'm sure there's some kind of like he's never pitched that much in his career. I would assume like he's got to have been close to his biggest amount of his, his longest start ever. His longest appearance ever. He went six innings, something, you know, again, I've never seen him do. He allowed only one earned run. The Phillies and this fifth spot in their rotation, man, they're finally getting a few decent starts out of that spot, and this high flying offense just can't hit the ball. Josiah hit Gray is the an,
0: ball. Yeah. God.
1: Josiah Gray is an awesome young pitcher. You can score three runs off him. <laughs> yes. You can. you can. You should. In fact. Uh, Harper, Bryson Stott, and Alec Bohm all had multi-hit games in, in game one. Alec Boehm had the only extra base hit for the Phillies, a double. <laughs> It looked so easy. The the, the uh, when Alec Bohm singled in a run early to make it two to one, it looked so easy for them. They were just like, we got yeah, got on second base, and then he knocked him in with you know a hard ground ball, line drive up the middle. Like, okay, cool, we can score, and we will score again because again, it's pretty early in the game. Nope, <laughs> nope. That was that was it. Too hard, too hard to score again after that. Uh, soap opera character Stone Garrett hit a two run <laughs> shot off Christopher Sanchez early. <laughs> And that was it. Sanchez gave the Phillies six good ones, and the and here's here's a bigger kicker: the combined relief of Jeff Hoffman, Andrew Vasquez, and Matt Strom allowed only one hit, no walks, and five strikeouts in three innings. One hit total. My God. Zero walks total. That's some great relief right there. The, that is the pitching great relief. Continued to keep them in the game. And oh,
0: uh, I do have an answer on Christopher Sanchez. That was. Uh, tied for the longest start of the of his career
1: and you can't blow that they've they've had too many uh wasted days with this fifth spot in the rotation where the the person in that spot was the reason they weren't going to win that game today the or, or in game one christopher sanchez was not the reason they lost that game not by a long shot no. he kept him in the game the bullpen kept him in the game they just couldn't hit
0: no no, like the, I'm looking at Christopher Sanchez's stats, and the more I do, it's just making me very angry. He started eight total games in his career. Eight. Ugh. That's it. He started eight, and his longest start. The his longest start was six innings on August twenty fourth, twenty twenty two, against Cincinnati. They won seven five. He allowed six hits, three runs, no walks, and struck out seven, but allowed two home runs.
1: And he did even better than that this time. Yeah, like, he did
0: even better than that. Like <laughs> before, like his second longest start was just a few weeks before that, which was July July fifth uh, against the Nationals, an eleven to nothing win. He allowed two hits in five innings. Come on.
1: I mean, you got to give this guy a break. Yes! Like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I know, I know. Bryce Harper's going through uh recovery and and you know, is lacking in power and we're all very aware of his homerless streak. Uh yeah, I got I know guys like Kyle Schwarber have been struggling up and down and and often on and, and the daycare has uh been they were great to start the year and then kinda came back to earth and now been solid to middling and, and yeah, you just you can't really, other than Nick Castellanos, nobody's been consistently hitting for this team all year. And then Christopher Sanchez puts together a start, like I strategically placed against the Nationals to give him a good chance to to eat some innings for this team. Uh, made total sense. This was a start I wanted to see him make, and I wanted to see him prove, uh, r- prove again that he's able to make starts like the one he made in Game 1, and he did it. He successfully did it. And once again, you know, the offense just doesn't show up. And this is the kind of game that really sucks the air out of the room. Really unsatisfying. Felt like a win was sitting there all day, and they just couldn't find it. It's the kind of loss that makes you wonder, like, oh, boy, are we about to wilt back into a bad stretch here against a beatable, a beatable team? And then Alec Bohm went full psycho. <laughs>
0: yep. Yes, he did. Full, full psycho.
1: <laughs> yeah, as... Uh... As down on them as I was after letting a, a great Chris Sanchez start go to waste, the seeing seeing them come out the next day and give more than enough offense to win all three of these games, but only in one game, uh, was you know it was satisfying. <laughs> That's the way it goes. <laughs> it really wasn't until Kyle Schwarber's grand slam that I was like, okay, now it's too much. And by that I don't mean like don't score anymore; it's bad sportsmanship. I mean that was when I was like, okay, now it feels now like they're losing. A they're losing tomorrow. Yeah, now you've yeah. bought a loss. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. the thing.
0: If there are too many, and I know this is not technically how it works, but when a team piles on like that, you know that they've used up some of their allocation from the next day. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: There's no science to it. No. It's really just it's, it's really, just it's,
0: a feeling that yeah. you have based on the history of your team and what you've eaten that day and all yeah. that fun stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, even so fun game, very fun. Todd Zelecki wrote the first time. This was the first time the Phillies had scored that much since they'd beaten the Marlins on April 7th, 2018. Uh Bryce Harper was just shy of the left field wall for for breaking that homerless streak. Uh wound up with a double. So, it was his
0: so close.
1: Whew, it was his first extra base hit since June 12th. Uh Alec Bohm, uh Zelecki wrote, Bohm tied career highs with four hits two home runs, and six RBI. He homered three times in the, in his first 10 games this season, but just four in his next 58. Yeah, what's, what's, go, what's up with that? <laughs> what's listen, going on there, man?
0: Whatever disease that affects Reese Hoskins has now spread out and is affecting multiple people because Hoskins is not there. Everyone <laughs> is now streaky. That's just, we just, listen, this is, the universe has been altered in a way. And now we just have to wait for Hoskins to come back for everything to write itself. I'm wearing a Hoskins shirt today.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, understandable. Uh, And and speaking of Hoskins, um, I think it is worth mentioning. We'll just go into the Nick Castellanos was named to the all-star team. Uh, I do think, you know, it it is kind of a bummer that he uh, is is the only current Philly on the all-star team. But I I remain convinced Rob Thompson's going to sneak somebody else on there. I I don't think you can have the manager of this team be the manager of the all-star team and just have one of his guys there. He can he can get somebody else in there. So I'm looking forward to that too. And that by no means am I saying Nick Castellanos doesn't deserve to be there. He is the Philly who deserves to be there the most. And he, Very he, much. If he hadn't been there, it would have been a uh, a, a huge miss, I think, for, for the all-star team. Um, but if you read Matt Gelb's story on The Athletic, Then you read about, uh, you got a lot of insight into Nick Castellanos, actually. But the the bit I wanted to talk about was how, when Reese Hoskins went down, according to Gelb and his story, uh, Castellanos really saw it as a moment where he had to step up and wanted to, like, vocally make that clear to his team that he was, like, I got this. I know what role Reese fills on this team, on and off the field. I can do this. Like, I can do this. We can do this. This is a loss. And then, wrote. Ree- I think he either wrote Reese's name or his number on the underside of his cap,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is I thought like was so cute and very yeah. touching.
1: Yeah, I mean Castellanos, hes hes a, hes never the guy you think he is, which I no. think he likes
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you. This is a—that was a quote from uh, Matt Gelb's uh, article on Castellanos in the Athletic on Monday, and it, it was very, very good. Uh, it talked a lot about Castellanos and what has changed for him, and it talked about it in concrete terms, which I appreciated. It it, it was yeah. it wasn't like oh it was like a ghost thing you know now it's gone it's no I was uncomfortable last year for a wide variety of reasons it wasn't just that it was a new place it was so many things and now everything is back to and now I feel better I know everybody in the clubhouse. You know, I he has a job to do, which is replace Reese Hoskins, his self appointed job, and I think that mm-hmm. helps too. You know, I it was awesome to hear about how everyone really loves him or respects him and how happy he is being with the y- Phillies and back to being back to, you know, being himself.
1: Yeah. Uh, he also said his son Liam has a tournament during the All Star Game, so it remains to be seen if he'll be, he'll be able to be there for it. But as as Nick Castellanos pointed out, Liam's been to an All Star Game before; he's never been to a sleepaway tournament before. So <laughs> some important decisions need it. to get made. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Nick Castellanos, three sixteen batting average, eight seventy four OPS. He had twenty nine walks last year; he has twenty three now. He had 13 home runs total last year. He has 12 now. Liz, imagine the Phillies' offense without Nick Castellanos this year. I mean, as far as things (laughs) that you wanted, as far as things that you, and I mean the universal you here, wanted to see this team do in 2023 that it didn't do in 2022, look, uh, plenty of leaks have sprung out of this organization in 2023, but... Nick Castellanos was at the top of the list. I think most people's lists bounce back year from Nick Castellanos, please, uh, with the assumption that Trey Turner was going to be in this lineup, which obviously he is, but uh, nothing, not a whole lot offensively has gone the way the Phillies planned. Bryce Harper has not really been a, a huge member of this offense because, you know, obviously not through his own fault. He missed a bunch of time. Uh, and now he's recovering, and the power swing has yet to to fully return. He's finding other ways to contribute, but he's not the power threat at the moment that he has been for the Phillies his entire career since coming here. Reese Hoskins not all not not in the lineup this year. Just got to make do without him. That's another power threat that's gone. J T Realmuto has struggled. Kyle Schwarber uh, finally started producing a little more, but is still you know they're still looking for him to really turn it on. Uh, Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott. I mean those guys. Those aren't guys who are supposed to carry an offense, not yet anyway. So when they when they are on, they're not necessarily even the guys who are going to lead the charge offensively. Uh Brandon Marsh, great at the start of the year, then sunk sunk down real fast and was really struggling, resurged a little bit, but the point is No one has been able to be the offensive contributor that Nick Castellanos has this year. He has been the only consistent member of this team to keep putting the bat on the ball. And, you know, it's no surprise to learn that he is now comfortable because he looks comfortable. Other guys have found ways to contribute, but he has really been steadfast in his production. And, yeah, I mean, just just look at those numbers I read. I mean, he is clearly back to being the player they signed when they signed him. This is the contributor they were looking for. And, you know, I just wish everyone else was also just not even like playing at an all star level, just playing at, at their default level because this lineup is full of great hitters and they're just not hitting great right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's so frustrating. I mean, you were right. I did know that they were going to lose the next day and I hate, that it was the offense just continuing to be the problem right now you know we'll turn around after the after the all-star break and it'll be something else it'll be pitching or relievers or who knows but for the offense to have been a problem for this long for long enough that we've watched the pit the rotation get itself together that's alarming, and we're sort of at the point, and we've said this in previous years. We're at the point where we have enough high-powered hitters. Who mm-hmm. else are we adding that's going to help? Because once they get here, they'll just get Philly's disease.
1: Well, that's the talk now too. Is that, uh, w- according to Rob Thompson, we're quote coming up quick on Bryce Harper being at first base. You know, he wasn't going to put a timetable on it, but we we've long heard that, you know, it would be in the second half, which is uh which is obviously coming up. Uh and that kind of realignment that that was going to allow was, I don't know, maybe going to make people more comfortable or allow the Phillies to just, you know, not have Kyle Schwarber in left field. And yeah, it, it, it's just it's ah it's just they're not the, this is not the team they're supposed to be, and they have so many threats in this lineup that the thought was on paper, you know, Three of these guys could be not hitting their best and it won't necessarily be the worst thing in the world because then you have, you know, three, four other guys who can carry the offense, you know, uh, night to night. But I don't think anybody planned for like Nick Castellanos and no one else to be consistent throughout (laughs) the entire season. I mean, come on.
0: No, it's the opposite of what we would have predicted last year you know I know I would have predicted that Cassianos bounces back I would not have necessarily predicted that he bounced back this hard cuz this is this is a pretty big bounce back but
1: yeah that if you were to say oh Nick Cassianos will be the Phillies all-star in 2023 after 2022 it would have been I would have assumed you were saying it f- like for the attention i wouldn't i also <laughs> I also thought Nick Castellanos would be better this year, certainly. And I, I remember even saying he doesn't even have to be his 2021 all-star self. He he can just be somewhere between his 2022 output and his all-star self, and that would be good enough. But he, he, he went even further and went back to being an all-star, and that's great. Uh, I just didn't think it was going to take everyone else's consistency. And that's the important thing here also, is that I'm talking about consistency. There have been other guys on this offense who have contributed in big ways and it's been very it's always very cool to see young hitters do well in this lineup and like i said brandon marsh alec bohm bryson stott even cody clemens before he got optioned uh were all finding ways at times to be a hero and that i don't want to downplay that by talking up castellanos all these guys have found a moment uh, so far this year to come through i think that's true i don't think I don't think this team, tell me if you agree with this. I don't think this team has a 2022 Nick Castellanos on it right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, the closest to it would be Trey Turner. But as you said, he's found ways to contribute that are very memorable. Maybe not consistent contribution at this point, but he's definitely kind of in, he's better than Castellanos was last year, but not to not to his you know, upper, upper max level, like Castellanos is this year.
1: I think there's a lot of guys who are halfway out of the holes they dug for themselves. I don't yes. know. I think the, even the Phillies would agree. Yeah. We're still expecting more from Kyle Schwarber from, from Bryce Harper, from Trey Turner. You know, we, we are still waiting for these guys to truly, truly uh, reach their peak levels again uh, because, you know, there, there's been plenty of narratives about, oh, okay, yeah, Trey Turner's turning it on. Uh, Bryce Harper is back. Kyle Schwarber, it's June. And uh, it, it, in every case, it was like, ah! And then things kind of went back to lukewarm for a little bit. But, you know, to, to my point, Trey Turner walked uh, a couple nights ago, walked, got himself on base, stole second, stole third, and then ran home when they overthrew third base. So, like, he's a player who can do that, and I'm looking forward to more of that in the yes. future. I think the second half is going to be big for this team because it if even just, be. like, two more of these guys other than Castianos, yes. can find their their sweet spot and stay in it for, like, months, that's going to be such a boon for this offense when you consider how good the pitching staff has been.
0: Yes, And it would be great if they figured all that out before the pitching staff went through one of its, you know, expected, cyclic, you know, bad periods. Because it happens with every part of, you know, a baseball game, you know. The defense is bad for a little bit. The, you know, the pitching is bad. The relief is bad. The hitting is bad. The problem with the Phillies is that their their pitch, their, um, their offense has been bad pretty much the whole time but everything else has been going through normal cycles yeah so i really would love it if the hitting found kind of a good place to sort of cruise forward while the pitching gets into trouble and works itself out again because we have to expect that that will happen
1: yeah. Definitely against the best team in baseball starting tomorrow as well, as the Phillies head to Tampa to take on the Reigns. Which is mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But but as of right now, the Phillies are and I said forty four and thirty-eight. That was after their big uh nineteen run win over the Nationals. They are now forty four and thirty-nine because they did not pull it out in game three, which we'll get to in a second. But at the moment they are a game and a half out of a wild card spot. They are behind the Reds who are one game out and the Brewers who are also one game out. Um, it's a crowded picture right now. The Marlins currently have the top wild card spot, but only by a game and a half. The Dodgers are in there. The Giants are in there. Like I said, the Reds and Brewers are making noise and the Phillies certainly deserve to be a part of this. I think after the Phillies right now, you get down to Pittsburgh, you get into these teams with losing records and yeah, there's a drop off. The Phillies are a game and a half out. The Pirates are six and a half games out. So yes. I think at the moment there are six teams or at least six spots, as like the divisional uh, pictures shift in in the West and Central. At least uh, there's like a six-team collision here at the end of the wild card tunnel, and only half of those teams can make it in. So the Phillies have to find a way to win more games. Their strengths right now are their starting pitching, their bull, and their bullpen. I think just it's just their pitching staff in general has been very solid for them and given them chances to win games. And this series against the Nationals was a stark reminder of what can happen when your pitching staff sets you up to win games and nobody tells the offense <laughs> that that's what's going on. Yes. Uh yeah. So, at the end of this 19 to 4 win in game 2, the Phillies were 19 and 6 since June 3rd, the second best record in baseball in that span.
0: Ooh.
1: I mean, Again, like that's this is these are the like the Phillies are getting pretty downplayed. I think by uh, by by people who follow them, by the national media. Certainly, they got a little buzz when this like hot streak began uh, near the beginning of of June, but like they're largely being ignored right now.
0: And (laughs) that's fine.
1: Yes, I think that is also fine. I would almost prefer that.
0: Yeah, I don't need a lot of people paying attention to the Phillies, and to be fair, they're not doing anything that really needs to be paid attention to. Like, I mean, they're they did they have a great record in June or they had, but they it it, because the Braves are so good and the Marlins kept it didn't really get them anywhere. They can it's almost a comfort to know that they can play really well, and the media will just leave everyone alone because they're (laughs) so because they're just like wow, look at that giant number between the Braves and Phillies. Moving on.
1: I also just think the Phillies were the playoff darling last year and they didn't win. Mm -hmm. And now this year, you know, people love, people love the reds. People love the reds. They love teams. They didn't expect to be good. That look really good. You know, know, or the Marlins. People love seeing um, a good Marlins team that hasn't been good in a long time. So I think the Phillies, as far as like that being playoff darlings to the national media, I think of essentially, you know, last year was their chance. And so now it's like, yeah, it's just the Phillies. Yeah. They're whatever. Um, but uh, in game two, just to run through the offensive uh,
0: <laughs> Let's do it.
1: numbers, Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper, uh, Bryce Harper and Alec Bohm all had. Oh, and Edmundo Sosa all had multi hit games. Alec Bohm obviously led the charge going four for five. Mm. He knocked in six runs. He had two home runs. Uh just an awesome day for Alec Boehm. Love seeing him uh really get into some pitching with his power stroke. Uh it is really just yeah, you know, it, it does remind you of Jason Wirth. It really does.
0: It does. does. Oh.
1: Unavoidably so. Nick Castellanos had a home run. Kyle Schwarber hit that grand slam uh in garbage time. I was uh,
0: just like th- this game was so weird. I came I was in the living room and the Phillies were losing. And so I went upstairs. For maybe 10 minutes and I came back down and there were double-digit runs (laughs) and then as I was sitting there for like another you know 25-30 minutes just it was a a home run was hit but because I had to listen to the the Nationals broadcast I almost didn't catch it because there was just like and another home run (laughs) it's like ugh. I hate that I have to watch the Nationals feed. It's terrible.
1: The Phillies scored six runs in the third, four runs in the fourth, and eight runs in the fifth. They <laughs> won 19-4. They had 18 hits on the day. Like I said, everybody seemed to find a way to come through. Brendan Marsh entered the game as a defensive replacement and went 0-2. Um, But yeah, as far as like main starting Phillies, everybody, everybody did something, at least a little bit of something. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of game I expected the Phillies to play against the Nationals. I I didn't expect them to kill them every time, but yeah, they were, uh, this, this is, this is really what you should do. You know, I I mean, the Nationals have some guys who are going to be guys someday, uh, but for now they, they are a team you should be able to beat if you take yourself seriously as a playoff team. Zach Wheeler went five innings, allowed seven runs, four earned runs, Ooh, and six Ks. Forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's. Uh, it's it, it, but he doesn't. Yeah, you know, he also doesn't need to do that when the offense does its job. Very it can't true. always be on the pitching staff. And Wheeler obviously isn't uh, isn't as sharp a number one this season as he has been. But um, with guys like Ranger Suarez and Taiwan Walker also in the rotation and pitching as well as they have. You know, the the heat can come off him a little bit, but uh, yeah, you want to, I don't know, you just want to see everybody hitting their ceilings, and I don't think a lot of the Phillies have hit their ceilings yet.
0: Completely, no. They have absolutely not. (laughs) I mean, the Phillies have expected more out of Kyle Schwaber since he signed his contract. Like, a, a lot of home runs is nice, but they're not paying him all that money to hit 185. Yeah. They're not even paying him all that money to hit 210. He has to, like, do better. Like, significantly better.
1: Yeah. I mean, if he wants to hit 50, 60 home runs with a 185 batting average, I won't complain. No. But when that power bat disappears, Mm -hmm. then everyone's going to just be looking at that batting average and be like, what's going on here? What's this about? Why are you leading off?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Because you look at, I mean, Shohei Otani is a freak of nature, but he's going to hit 60 home runs this year. He's already hit 31. And we're, like, at the mathematical halfway point of the season. He might hit, like, 65. It's it's going to be crazy. And he also has a a batting average over, you know, zero. But, like, you think about 60 home runs, you get 30 and a half. And if if they're spaced out right, that helps you win a lot of games. Helps you win a whole ton of games as opposed to a garbage time grand slam. When I'm sure the pitcher isn't even trying that hard.
1: I mean, look, it's fun. I'm glad he hit it. But also, like I said, that was the moment where I was like, this is this is too much now. We've bought (laughs) we have purchased a loss. (laughs) Uh, Well, the average numbers of runs scored and homers hit per game for the Phillies have been inching slowly upwards, which, you know, at the time I was writing these notes down was finally addressing the lack of power that has cursed this lineup so far. Uh, then the next game happened, and the Phillies lost a series to the Nationals by losing 5-4 to four in Game 3. Uh, Ranger Suarez, man, you know, I don't like being one of those guys who's like, oh, it's, it came down to one pitch, but uh, yeah, it, it didn't, it, first yeah. of all.
0: <laughs> no, it did not for Rangers, it did not.
1: But a grand slam he allowed to stone Garrett uh, pretty much ruined the day. i s-
0: sorry. I saw him load those bases and turned the TV off.
1: Yeah. Mostly
0: because I tu- I turned it on right before, like maybe, uh, maybe five minutes before he gave up that grand slam. And as soon as he loaded the bases, I'm like, this is my fault. I've done this. <laughs> he loaded the bases and like maybe if I turn it off now, it won't. It won't happen. And then I didn't look at it for like two hours hoping. And then Sean, my husband was like, um, so you saw that the Phillies lost. I'm like, oh, crap. That was my fault. <laughs> my <laughs> they fault still for had... everyone.
1: <laughs> I mean, this is part of the problem is that Ranger Suarez, yes, allowed a grand slam. And that pretty much nullified the early success the Phillies had by rallying in the first inning with a Nick Castellanos home run, a JT Real Muto home run. It was great to see them jump out like that. And at that point, I was like, yeah, this is a win. We got this. We'll win this game and then uh, win the series and go down to Florida with some momentum. You know, why wouldn't you think that when you've already scored three runs in the first against one of the worst teams in the National League? Like you, you should feel like that's a win. That should be comfortable, especially with Suarez, who's been one of their best starters on the mound. That should have been a win. And uh, of course, yeah, the, the the grand slam to Stone Garrett really took the wind out of the Phillies' sails. Each team added an additional run, but the Phillies once again could not climb the insurmountable height of a one-run yeah. deficit. Nick Cassianos doubled in another run, but the Phillies lost five to four. No. It was a it was a reversal of vibes that it feels like only this team is capable of. Completely. And I mean, like, as far as like being one of the NL's, let's say, good teams, you know. That's I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. I think we can all agree they are a good team. They're in have, the green. Maybe, yeah. They've won a winning they have a winning record. They're in the mix for the playoffs. Like other teams I think people would say are good or at least solid. Mm-hmm. Uh and yeah, I mean phew, boy. There's they're the only one, as far as I know, that can come out lose 2 to 1, win 19 to 4 and then lose by a run the next day as well. I mean, nothing is real, nothing lasts. Every day a different team <laughs> takes the field. Sometimes they can hit, sometimes they can't field, sometimes they run into outs, sometimes they're clutch, often they're not, but it really comes down to the Phillies needing offense from guys who should be hitting better and 3 or 4 nights a week they don't get it and they either have to pitch their way out of trouble or lose. And there's nothing more to say than boy That's got (laughs) to (laughs) stop.
0: Yes, it does. There isn't much more to say than that. Like, how it stops is the mystery question of the universe.
1: Yeah, like, do what you got to do. I mean, with some defensive... Do you feel like these uh, long-rumored defensive maneuvers uh, positionally... Would help this team offensively? Because, you know, Real Muto was talking about when he DHs, well, I don't feel like I'm, like, I'm not super comfortable because I don't feel like I'm I'm giving 100%. I'm not used to not going out on the field and playing a position. Uh, I'm sure Harper has some kind of feelings that are similar to that, given the kind of player and guy he is and the intensity level he has. Uh, so do you feel like... Let's let's just imagine it's, you know, a week after the All-Star break. The Phillies are like, okay, Bryce Harper's starting at first tonight. Kyle Schwarber's going to DH tonight. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, tracking fly balls or looking into the lights or just moving. And uh, Christian Pache's in <laughs> left. He can cover all that ground. Marsh is in center. He can cover that ground, presumably. And uh, everybody, you know, everybody's maybe a little more comfortable. Everybody's in roles that fit their skill set, and everybody's ready to be a I mean, you think moving people around defensively is going to put people at mental ease, or or you know, it, just enough that they're going to be able to contribute more consistently, or just better at the plate?
0: I I don't know. I, I mean, maybe. I know you don't know. I know, I just, know you don't, I know, know. I don't know, Elizabeth.
1: I'm, you are an intelligent and insightful person, uh, but I know you're not Nostradamus. And what I ask you, if you know, I know you don't know, because yeah, nobody knows. I say what do you those think?
0: things. I say those things to buy myself <laughs> a couple of seconds to put together an answer, since I didn't get these questions ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like, have these questions. I know ahead you did. I know you did. But you're just like, uh, <laughs> in the future, I'll make sure instead of going, I don't know. I'll be like, I need a few seconds.
1: we'll play some Jeopardy music for you (laughs)
0: Exactly, that's what I want if you want to make it obvious that I'm thinking then let's do it now I've forgotten (laughs) the question Um, we're going to take
1: a quick Liz's thinking break and be right back after this Uh, no I'm asking do you think a um, let's I don't say drastic but do you think a a significant positional resettling is going to uh, allow these guys to settle in a little more at the plate
0: not for JT (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> JT still spends most of his time behind the plate, and if he does not like DHing, he's not going anywhere. So he needs to find a different way to get better. It certainly could help. It certainly could help Harper. I see it helping Harper. I don't think it'll help Schwarber. I I don't. I mean, maybe we don't know, but he's played he's played a position for long enough. You know, was he a full time? I mean, he played full time last year. And the year before, he was in Boston, maybe? I don't know if he was mostly a DH there or not, but like, I don't think that's gonna help him. I would love for it to, but I don't think it's gonna help him significantly. Um, My hope is that it it could help. It could help um, the other guy that we were talking about, Harper. Thank you. It could help Harper. If he has not been very vocal about feeling like he's not contributing. Uh, Because I think if he talks about that, people will notice that he's contributing significantly less than everyone probably thinks he is. (laughs) But uh, I
1: I agree with you on Schwarber. I think uh, I'm not sure I know why, but I do agree with you. I think I think the reason is that he's a DH, whether he's playing left field or not. (laughs)
0: Exactly. It doesn't seem like a significant mindset change. It's just mostly a relief. Like, oh, thank God, I don't have to go out there again.
1: Yeah, you know, I see him lay out for a ball in left field and I you know, I want to give credit where credit's he due tries here. It's like hard. he's trying his best, but you know, he's not a natural left fielder. It's a position he plays because for a while it was the only way to get him in the lineup and right now that's that's why he is also playing left field because it's the only way to get him in the lineup because Bryce Harper's occupying the DH spot. So, you know, I I, I it it sucks, but then, you know, it also you see you see him get to a ball and then it flies out of his glove and you're like most why because
0: <laughs> so I mean if he that's the tough part if he gets to the balls that should be a catch if he gets yeah. to the baseball just call it a catch because if we wait until he catches it bad things will happen <laughs> the ball will leave his glove or it'll be abducted by an alien and be infinite home runs I don't know
1: well one last tidbit uh, Derek Hall is back he will play <laughs> sound first. happier I mean, no, I'm, I am not unhappy. Derek Hall's back. Yay. Hey, all right. That's something. Uh, our second string first baseman is is back from, <laughs> from his uh, thumb is, issues. Uh, he will play first until Bryce Harper is ready to take over, which again, as Rob Thompson told reporters, quote, is coming quick. Cody Clemens got option to Lehigh to make room for Hall. Todd Zelecki writes, he will play first base for the Phillies every day against right-handed pitching. He might occasionally start against left-handers, but that remains to be seen. So, you know, here's somebody else who could who could throw some power your way. He certainly did it before, 2022 when he got brought up. So, sure. Why not? Maybe maybe this maybe this will help, too. You know, you never know. You move things around a little bit when a team like the Phillies who are just puzzlingly troubled uh, you just, you know, maybe you shift things around a little bit and, and maybe uh, maybe that's that's the key to unlocking the true power of this offense. Yeah. But we'll see right now. All we can say is just hit, hit, hit the ball, hit the ball Please. every night. But especially when a pitcher is like, I'm giving you this, I'm giving you this win. Please just knock Make some it runs from in.
0: Me.
1: <laughs> uh, last thing I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some some moments that the Phillies have experienced. Uh, Or just the city of Philadelphia on the 4th of July in the past. (laughs) Yay! Now that the Phillies are in fact playing on the 4th of July, I forgot. They're not playing today, but they have that, like, they just haven't been playing on major holidays over the summer Mm -hmm. recently, but they are playing tomorrow. They begin their series against the Rays, which may or may not be good news. But uh, yeah, their history of playing on the 4th of July does include some strange moments and interesting statistics. In 1905, in the afternoon game of a doubleheader, Uh, Philadelphia's Rube Patel beat Cy Young uh, in a 20-inning game. And this is, of course, the Philadelphia Athletics. So that's why I threw in that little Philadelphia addendum. But this one was fun enough for me to include. Yeah. Uh, They they played a 20-inning game, and the A's catcher (laughs) played 28 innings in one day, which is still a major league record.
0: (laughs) How do you even do? Okay, (laughs) I don't need to know. (laughs) I don't want to even think about it. Let's move (laughs) on.
1: Liz his knees were ruined yes. that's how you do it his knees never bent again never. like that's
0: <laughs> or now they just, just bent backwards to compensate and that's just he walked weirdly like backwards knees for the rest of his life
1: that's the price you pay for being a tough guy alright <laughs>
0: looked like a like a confused flamingo <laughs> in
1: 1908 Giants pitcher named Hooks Wiltie <laughs> throws 10 innings of no hit ball over the Phillies and lost a perfect game because he hit the Phillies pitcher with a pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Take that. Did
0: the Phillies still lose?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, we call that a, a Philly win though. When uh, you 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 work yourself out of an accomplishment <laughs> by physically harming someone from Philadelphia. That's yeah. That's uh, still a win for us. 1938 the Phillies moved into Shibe Park on the 4th of July they now rent the stadium from the A's who already played there and i assume leech off their success as much as they can but having having done some recent research into the Phillies of that era change of venue didn't do much no. for this franchise <laughs>
0: it, it did not i'm sorry anything at that point like before like before like 1950 it's all crap
1: Oh, yeah. I was, yeah, Almost I always say, like, oh, yeah.
0: universally crap. Like, it's not like just the, th- the Phillies were bad. It's they were the worst for a very long time.
1: I always say, like, the 20s to the 40s, and obviously they went to the World Series in 1915, but before that, yeah, like, from when they started, they were terrible right at the beginning, and then, yeah, the 20s to the 40s. You got three lost decades right in a row. Wait. How many franchises can say that? <laughs>
0: Very few, if any, because most of them haven't been around long enough to have that many, to have that, you know, three lost decades in a row.
1: That's too many. That's too many decades.
0: (laughs) That's the thing. When you play for as many decades as the Phillies have, you have a lot of decades for incredible things to happen. You know, and the Yankees have also been playing for a long time, but they were obviously blessed by you know the god of teams like you will be a successful franchise in a city that everyone thinks is at least interesting as for you philadelphia no no (laughs) we have other
1: things planned for you
0: god did not give with both hands or any when it came to the phillies
1: on july 4th nineteen fifty, sid gordon of the braves hit a his record city record setting fourth grand slam of the season uh, with by hitting one off the Phillies, Jim Constantine.
0: So are these going to all be bad now? Are they all bad?
1: No, I swear. <laughs> I was trying to just find things, and it just turned out a lot of them were bad. Once again,
0: the Phillies have played on a lot of 4th of Julys over the years, so there's a lot to choose from.
1: Yeah, like, what were we just saying? Yeah, there's know. a bunch of years where they were just oh boy, a 100-loss 100% speed bump in the yeah. National League. Uh, 19, here's, okay, here's a good one. 1967, uh, Phillies catcher Clay Dalrymple uh, worked six walks in 19 innings of a doubleheader. How about that? Pretty good, right? Is it? Hmm?
0: <laughs> six walks? Oh no, he's Come not. A, okay, I'm sorry. I thought over two. Games. No, he's not a pitcher. Yeah, thank you. No, he
1: he got he walked six times t- at, at the plate. It yeah. took
0: me a minute. Just- I'm like, that's actually not a lot, especially spread over a doubleheader. What are you talking about? That is a lot of walks. For two games. And then,
1: I assume they called Sid Gordon at his home, uh, wherever he retired to, and they said, yeah, take that, Sid. Six walks. That nullifies your fourth Grand Slam of the year, (laughs) 17 years ago.
0: He's like, who is this?
1: Who is this? Leave me alone. I'm trying to fish. Uh, In 1976, Tim McCarver, uh, a member of the Phillies at this point, hit a Grand Slam. But because he jogged past Gary Maddox on the base, paths, the runner in front of him, it's marked down as a three-run single. All right, they're not all bad, oh I swear. Oh, my God. <laughs> he did hit the grand slam. That was, that's good, right? It's mm-hmm. pretty good. I'm, grand slam. Just, Sid Gordon once hit four in one season.
0: Uh, true, he did. <laughs> I, I'm just, how, house... accidents uh-huh. happen. Sure. Mistakes happen. Mm-hmm brain farts happen even to the most prepared of people but how do you do that how do you do that how, how <laughs> do you do that how do you just run past the guy in front of you and think it's going to count
1: because... or, or just just do it in general like how do you not you know you can't do that I mean Gary Maddox was like 6'3 you know not not the tallest guy in the world but a, a formidable figure. I know you see him. Did he? I know trip? you see him play on first base. Did he Come fall on. into
0: a gopher hole? Like, where <sighs> did he go? Like, and then, of course, this man was, he did not, I guess, address this incredibly stupid thing every single time he got on the air as he should have. <laughs> <laughs> That's just because I don't particularly care for Tim McCarver.
1: Okay, here's a good one. Sort of. 1979, <laughs> July 4th. The Phillies, uh, they put Steve Carlton on the mound, and he shuts out the Mets one to nothing, throws a one-hitter. Dominant performance by Lefty. Unfortunately, (laughs) boy, you knew that was coming. Yes, I did. Unfortunately, the Phillies uh, managed to lose three pitchers to injuries (laughs) the same day when Larry Christensen pulled his groin, Dick Ruthven went on the DL, and Randy Lurch broke his thumb in a fight. (laughs) So, they got a great start from their ace, but it cost them three other pitchers. Worth it for a regular season win? A single regular season win? <laughs> Obviously, yes. Moving along. <laughs> 1989. July 4th. The Reds' Tom Browning was three outs from recording a perfect game, his second in his career, when Dickie Thon of the Phillies yeah. hits a double. Yeah, so that's a good one.
0: Did they and, lose that uh, game? Obviously. Yo,
1: you know they did. <laughs> Tom Browning was relieved, uh, and but it was a two to one win over Philadelphia. So they, I think Dicky Thon did come in to score, but yeah, it wound up want be nothing, and then this happened on July third, but I just had to include it. <laughs> 1993, the Phillies win an insane doubleheader that ends at 4:40 a.m. on a Mitch Williams walk-off. <laughs> Harry Callis coins the phrase "Mitchie Poo" to describe it was 4 Mitch Williams, and he was it's,
0: very tired.
1: We were all delirious. Everyone was like, "Can you?" I just I think about this more and more because it's one of those things, you know. I think as a kid, I just equated Major League Baseball with, like, my dad's softball league for a long time. And at the 90s, because I was like, yeah, there's just adults playing a form of baseball or something. You know, it's it's, it's the same thing. And, uh, yeah, I remember when I was very young, I remember my dad left a, a family event to go to a softball game that he had. And we were watching a Major League Baseball game on TV, and one of the players, like had glasses like my dad has glasses and turned and like waved at the camera from far away and i was like oh that's, that must be dad it doesn't He's look like my
0: father but it must be him
1: <laughs> there he is that's that's cool that he waved at us i remember having that <laughs> thought uh but i say all i say all that because that like the 93 team you know i'm very young when, they, when they're the you know when they're having their season and they were the team that really brought me into baseball and they had the vibes of just, like, a beer league softball team. So that only continued to, like, mix those two things together. So the things that happened in those seasons, uh, in that season, I thought, you know, as I was young and, and, you know, as the years went by, I still thought, like, yeah, these are, like, things that just happen sometimes. Yeah, sure. You can start a Major League Baseball game at one thirty in the morning. That's not crazy. But then reading that again, like, today, yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Who can, thought? Can you imagine? Who, like,
0: <laughs> No. It, it was a different time. <laughs> it was.
1: It's something like a bunch of a rowdy bunch of dudes would do, um, but a like ma- a major, league, major baseball league baseball
0: team, professional, the highest <laughs> level of baseball, really in the world, and they're just like, yeah, let's start a double, the second leg of a doubleheader at one thirty in the morning.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah they, they put it in the yearbook and it's on the Jumbotron. Attention fans, second game will start at one thirty. And you're no. like,
0: What? What? <laughs> I mean here's the thing. If I was if I had oh. already been there till one thirty, I'm just staying. I'm just staying the whole thing. As long if they're gonna sell beer, <laughs> oh, yeah. they're still selling beer on there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you can't you You, you, you can not can't leave you can't, at that, point, you've <laughs> leave at that point.
0: Come on. The next day, anyway, because you stayed up till one in the morning and you're not even at your home yet. <laughs> Just ride it the exactly. whole way.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, you're in you it to said, win it at by that win, point. You mean so, yeah.
0: Win.
1: <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> <laughs> but they, they did. did win. <laughs> this was a good one. They did. They won this one. So, yay. Uh, all right, well, that'll do it for this episode of Hidden Season. Stay tuned. Uh, this week, we'll be talking about the results of the Phillies-Rays series that will begin tomorrow on the 4th of July. Uh, Thanks for listening. Make sure to head to billypen.com slash hidden season for more episodes of this show and head on over to the Patreon at patreon.com slash hidden season for access to all kinds of bonus content. Thanks for listening from WHYY and Billy Penn. I'm Justin Clue. That's Liz Rocher. And we will talk to you next time on Hidden Season.